Ian Bellina is someone who lost $2.5 million while live streaming on YouTube. And he's my guest today. He's one of the most controversial personalities in the cryptocurrency uh, in field and the community as a whole. And today, whether you love him or you hate him, my goal with this interview is to get as much as I can out of Ian to understand who he really is, his journey from Uganda to the US, why he left his secure job at IBM as a data analyst to go full on into cryptocurrencies and ICOs in particular, which is something that I think considered to be super risky. How he made his millions, how he lost $2.5 million and how he kept his cool and what, what keeps him going moving forward after all of this happening to him and after all the cryptocurrency community really going after him. So we talk about his upcoming project, Token Metrics. We talk about how his team are using AI and machine learning to create investment strategies for top tokens. And if they're just using these as buzzwords, I'm going to actually ask him this. Uh, again, regardless of what you think of Ian, you're going to love this interview. Let me know what you think after you watch the, the interview. Go in the comments, tell me what you think, tell me what you took away from the interview. I'm hoping you're gonna take away about security and securing your investments because you don't wanna be losing $2.5 million like Ian did, right? Uh, and give it a thumbs up if you love it. Subscribe to my channel, this is my new channel and we're trying to grow it. I appreciate you tuning in. Let's go say hi to Ian. Well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm so excited to have you here. So for those of you who don't really, you're famous for a bunch of things, all right, in the cryptocurrency field and people know your name. Can you tell us a little bit about your backstory? Like, where did you come from? How did you get to where you are today? Yeah, so I was born in Kampala, Uganda as a kid. And then early on when I was two, my parents moved to the, to the UK. And then when I was eight, moved to America. And I've been in America for the last 20 something years. All right, uh, now you um, gave your age away. Okay, that's cool, cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I, I mean, I'm known for being very, very transparent. <laughs> you know, sometimes almost to a fault. But I, my background is as an engineer, as a computer engineer. Back to oh, high five, me too. Nice, high five. <laughs> <laughs> then after graduate school, went to work at Deloitte Consulting as an IT consultant. Then for, I was there briefly, then crossed over and went to IBM. And I worked at IBM for four years. My first three years, I was a technical sales engineer in the IBM analytics brand, covering products like IBM Watson, SPSS, and, and such. Um, then my last year, I was IBM sales executive for open source analytics covering all of North America. So helping and IBM. Yeah. So helping. That's pretty cool. And I worked in data, right? Data was my passion. I love data. Uh, I even got featured in the Wall Street Journal for using IBM Watson analytics to predict my March Madness bracket. So wait, so you I, said I was data was my passion. Is data still your passion? Because data is still pretty big. <laughs> okay, that's good. I'll fix that. Data is still my passion. Okay. <laughs> um, so 
I got involved in crypto around 2016. A friend of mine came to me and said, hey, Ian, I see IBM is doing lots of big things in the blockchain space. I would like to meet the IBM director for blockchain. And I asked him, why do you care about this, right? And he told me that he was a Bitcoin developer. He was launching a crypto fund. And that really got my, my attention because he was my age, late 20s, launching a hedge fund. I didn't know anybody that age launching a hedge fund, especially one for Bitcoin and crypto. So that got my attention because before that, I thought crypto, cryptocurrencies were just for Silk Road and bad actors, people doing bad things. I had no idea you could actually invest in and speculate in, crypt, in cryptocurrencies. So as somebody who was already invested in the, in the market, I had a very high appetite for risk. I was an entrepreneur. I had dabbled in penny stocks. So when he was when he told me he was making two to three hundred percent, excuse me, from just hodling Bitcoin and Ethereum and his random currencies, it told me, you, you know what, I have to try this out. So I went and joined Coinbase. I put $100 into Bitcoin, $100 into Ethereum. Then I said, okay, now I want a fraction of piece of something. Let me educate myself about this. So I hopped on Amazon and found the two best books I could find, Digital Gold and the age of cryptocurrency. Oh, by so, Mark. Yeah, actually he was a ho he was a guest. He was one of the first guests on Diva on the Block. Uh he's one of my good friends. Awesome book for sure. Yeah, so I read those two books. They made me a believer. After those two books, I was all in on crypto. Uh I put my money into crypto. Uh so January around I would say January, February 2017, I kind of went all in. For me at that time I began dollar cost averaging into crypto. I put in about, I think, a couple grand into Ethereum and Bitcoin. But at that time, I put in, yeah, I think it was about $2,500 into Ethereum. Then Ethereum announced the Ethereum Enterprise Alliance, where they're working with companies like Citibank, Microsoft, JP Morgan, and the Ethereum price doubled in a week and a half. So I doubled my money in a week and a half. And that was... At that time, the fastest. So this is like this is the beginning of the bubble, basically. Yes, yeah, the beginning of the bubble. And I said, guys, you know what? Sell everything, go all in. And I, I began really becoming obsessed with crypto. I was working my nine to five job, then from six to midnight and beyond, I was doing crypto, crypto investing, trading, research. I went to my first cryptocurrency conference. That was Token Summit. That was spring 2017. For the first time, I met people in the crypto space in real life. Because before then I was just following on the, the computer, <laughs> just researching the words. Yep. In person and meeting people in person really made me a bigger believer because these people were smart, they're credible. They weren't just people from Silk Road. So the big thing I took away from that conference were ICOs, ICO investing. All the crypto millionaires I met made their money from ICO investing at that conference. Yeah. Just like it. Ethereum ICO, uh, Namesafe ICO. I said, okay, you know what? Maybe I should stop trading. Maybe I have to check into this ICO thing. So after the conference, I began investing in almost any ICO that could work uh, to a point where I began, I, I made some money, but not as much money as I would like because my goal was to quit my job that year. Within 12 months was to quit my job at, at IBM and become fully self-employed to have financial freedom. So, so let, let me put some notes here, by the way. So first of all, 2016, that is pretty late for majority of the faces that we see in cryptocurrency. But that evident, uh, coincidentally is also the year that I got involved in cryptocurrency because just like you, 
from back in 2011, my friends were telling me about crypto. I was like, this is too shady. I don't want to get involved. It wasn't until 2016 that I got involved. And then I became obsessed just like you as, we, as, it, as it grew bigger and more people got involved. And it, it is so interesting that just like you, the first time I went to a crypto conference, that is when I was like, oh my God, this is, this is it. This is like the people here, exactly just the, what, what you thought was like, People here are actually legit. These are scientists. These are people who are educated or backing it. So I just wanted to put that here is like going to a crypto conference really makes the day and night. But here you said that you got involved into ICO. So that to me is still, I mean, at, right at the beginning, maybe ICOs were fine, but now ICOs are like, ah, yeah. kind of yeah. risky. So how did that go for you? So initially, I mean, I was investing in the first one or two months, I invested almost every ICO I could find. Any, any, any ICO I thought was good at that time. And that was making money, but my goal was to retire, right? To basically quit my job by the end of the year. So I was looking for big home runs and they weren't really coming. Then I said, you know what? There has to be a better way, right? I worked with data uh, and I said, you know what? Let me look at the ICO data. So over the course of one or two weeks, I gathered as much ICO data as I could find on all the projects out there, then really try to find patterns in the data. And so what also, type of data were you looking at? So both qualitative and quantitative data points, right? So I'll go through and see how much money they raised, the total tokens, token supply, but I also go through and grade the teams and say, okay, was this a solid team? What other factors were really helping these projects perform well? And I just tried to gather as much data as possible, put everything into a spreadsheet online on Google Sheets. And after a while, I said, you know what? I'm seeing patterns in these ICOs. The ones that perform well, I'm seeing a common pattern, right? And at, at a high level, the common patterns were they had solid teams, they had a product, right? They just want white, just want white paper. It wasn't just a white paper. It was an actual product. And then also the total token supply, they were very, very modest, very, very humble, right? They weren't raising too much money. They weren't putting out way too many tokens. So I basically used a three sigma rule in stats just to kind of see, okay, what does the average good ICO look like? And I look, looked at every single data point. Then I would then take that and grade upcoming ICOs and see how far they'll deviate from each data point, how far they, they'll deviate from the mean of, what, of what's expected of a good ICO. And in August, I, I also had a channel, right? At that time, it was a very, very small channel. Under 500 people were following me. It was on a YouTube? Channel. Yeah. Uh, it was just a channel where I just share my, my, my experiences being an entrepreneur in the business world, working as a freelancer and such. I began making content on Bitcoin and crypto, right, for, for beginners. That kind of was my best video at that time. It got about 5,000 views. Then after the conference, I made a video on ICOs for beginners. And that's kind of what made me kind of go famous in the crypto world. That video ended up going viral uh, and had over 400,000 views on YouTube alone. And that kind of put me there in the map that got me to five, then eventually 10,000 followers on YouTube. And I also began doing live streams. So I had two live streams every single week. One was an AMA with my audience about crypto and the other was just me doing ICO research. I would just press record and for two to three, sometimes even four hours live, I would just research ICOs while showing, showing how I would score and rate these products in my spreadsheet. So in August, I, I, 
ended up scoring different ICOs and I basically made like a list of my top ICOs at that time. And the top ICOs were Z ZRX, which is Zero, uh, Zero OX Project and DMT, uh, District OX Project. And when they came out, those ICOs, Zero uh, X did a 10X the first month and DMT did a, like a 24X, meaning that $1,000 turned to $24,000. And that kind of made me go even more viral. They're saying, who's this crazy guy live streaming with this crazy spreadsheet? Then people... <laughs> But weren't you scared that you're doing basically everything live and people can see your information and what were you, were you careful? And I know I'm, I'm kind of touching, I'm, I'm leading you towards the next thing, but. I mean, I wasn't really scared because to me, I was just trying to be very transparent because when I joined the space, there was no transparency. People would hide behind avatars, masks, you wouldn't know who you're dealing with. I was very, very transparent, told people my full name, where I worked, I was still working at IBM, my role, they knew if I did anything, they could call up my boss and say, hey, this guy did whatever, right? So I was- my, Wait, wait, my... are you the reason why? Because IBM is now very big on blockchain. And actually I interviewed Nitin from IBM as well, as well on Diva on the Block. So they're, are you the reason why they're interested? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say that IBM's always been pro blockchain way before me. Right, so I can't I can't take credit for that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, just to kind of make long story short, I began regularly reviewing projects, and in my spreadsheet, I would track my investments. I would track how much money I put in, the return, and then I also I also open sourced my spreadsheet to the whole world. Right, so the whole whole world could see how I would rate projects, how much money I was making, and I was publicly keeping track of everything, kind of like a journal. So people saw me build my portfolio from initially 20,000, then all the way to the ICO mania, ended up going to $5 million. So they saw my top picks investments like Icon, Wabi, uh, Dragon Chain. So December, 2017 is probably the month where I really, I guess, blew up in the crypto world because while Bitcoin was going up and it, everybody was making money, the performances we were getting from just ICO investing and the success rate we had wasn't really seen in the space because before, on average, four out of five ICO investments would you would lose money on. Yeah. But using at that time, we were making money on four out of five of each ICO we invested in. And in December, we got three ICOs in the same month that had over 80x returns. So you're saying we, is it by this time had you joined a hedge fund or was it just you? So it's me, but I say we just kind of me and my community. Right? Yeah. Because the community definitely played a big role, right? So during the live streams, they'll bring projects to, to me to kind of look at and, and score live. And some investments that were big, like Icon and one, and one chain, they came from the community, right? The community would say, okay, take a look at this project, right? So I always like to kind of think that, they also played a factor. Right? Yeah, so. no, that's amazing that you give them credit, <laughs> right? So, yes. okay, so tell us, tell us about that, that, that story that everybody's burning to. And I know like you've talked about it over and over again. Yeah, but... so the spreadsheet, it kind of goes back to the spreadsheet. So on a live stream one time, this was, this is in 2018. I came back from a crypto world tour in South America, had a live stream. And I ended up getting hacked live on the live stream, right? And uh, this is now kind of all over the, the news and stuff. But yeah, I mean, it was definitely 
not cool. <laughs> I mean, but 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 the thing is, you kept your cool. Like you you literally, people saw you live, and you first you were not even paying attention to the light. Like people were commenting, "Hey, did you just notice?" Uh, <laughs> like two million dollars just vanished out of your account. And you're like, "Ah, oh, what is this? You didn't even pay attention, right?" Because initially, I just thought it was somebody trolling me. Yeah. So I just ignored it. But when I couldn't log into my spreadsheet as I was live streaming, I knew something fishy was going on. So I abruptly ended the live stream and then checked, right? And then that's when I said, okay, yeah, somebody actually did hack me, right? Do so you think it had to do anything with you live streaming everything you're doing because you were on the map, you were a target? No, I mean, yes, I was a public figure, but in that live stream, I think what, the, what really triggered them to kind of, do that because I did get some warnings earlier from some other projects that hackers were going through investor networks and they thought that came into our network and we're trying to hack people in, in our network. Um, so they were really tracking me and other investors for a while, right? They had, they had basically already hacked us and we were just waiting for the right time to, to, to pull, pull the trigger. So in that live stream, that's the live stream where I said that I would stop making everything I was doing so public. I was going to kind of go more private, right? And I think once they saw Oh, that, so they're like, this is their last chance, so they... Yeah, so I think once I said that, that's when they pulled the trigger on that. <gasps> oh, wow, all right, so $2.5 million, that's a ton of money. Um, first, I mean, I, I cannot even put myself in your shoes because I feel like if that had happened to me, I probably would just freeze and I would be like, I wouldn't be able, even, even able to move. So what, what were the thoughts in your head and have you able, been able to recover? And what do you, most importantly, recommend to other people uh, in the cryptocurrency industry? Yeah, I mean, so when it happened, it was definitely a big kind of gut blow, gut wrench, it was gut wrenching. But I would say my reaction to it was, this sucks, right? I mean, but at the end of the day, right, that's the, I kind of have to, handle the cards I was dealt, right? I was public, I was kind of out there, made myself a target, right? So, and people had warned me about this happening, right? So I, I, I basically took responsibility for the actions I, I had done, right? And then I also wasn't really secure with my security, right? There are definitely other ways for me to be more secure with storing my crypto, right? I was really just kind of going for the most convenient way. Uh, but now right so it, it is it sucks because so i try to be as transparent as possible as well so i go live every tuesday and i'm probably making myself a target but it's just within my community i don't go on youtube it's with my community with my inner circle people but i share everything like they see my email address everything and i just teach i, I show them exactly what i'm doing and it's not only crypto it's stocks and i show them everything and i just you want to trust because you want to be transparent and you want to trust that everybody who's watching you, like you want to see the good in the world until bam, something happens. You're like, ah, I can't see the good in the world anymore. So has that changed this perspective for you at all? Yes, yeah, I mean, for the last year, I've kind of been more reserved. I'm not so out there, right? Some people think that I've kind of, I guess, gone missing or just not really creating content. Yeah, I, I, we went and found you and put you back in the <laughs> I've just been busy building, right? Because for me, the biggest thing wasn't really the the money. And people find that crazy because for me, I, I knew I had learned a skill, right? So I knew, okay, yes, it hurts and sucks that I've lost this money, 
but I still have this skill with me for the rest of my life. Right. So, so you can build it again over and all over again from scratch. Cause so it's kind of like building a house, right? If you're a house builder and you've learned that skill, if a hurricane comes and blows your house and blows your house away, yes, that sucks, but you can always build a new house, right? What would suck even more is if you lost that skill. Right. No, Which that's, that's a great perspective. And you have time on your side because right? you're so, young. Right. As well. Plus, I also thought, man, this crypto market is going to keep on going up and up and up, right? So, because I had made the money so fast, I thought I could make it back again as fast, right? So, I did end up recovering a small fraction of the money, but not everything, right? Just a small fraction of the money. But it's still new. Like, we're, we're, we still haven't hit that. Now, it feels like at the beginning, it was just this fast bubble that kind of burst. But now, we're building a foundation for people who are now getting in. The future for them is probably even uh, bigger. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, the, the future is definitely huge, right? Looking at the, the World Economic, Economic Forum says that they project Bitcoin or, or, or rather tokenized assets, the market cap to equal 10% of the global G GDP by 2027. That amounts to about $9 trillion, right? And then the Royal Bank of Canada expects the crypto market as a whole to become about $10 trillion. And right now we're about at about $225 billion. So that means in this current form right now, crypto still has room for over 40X growth, right? And so there's definitely still lots of potential growth in crypto. So that's how you keep your cool. You go back, you do your studies, and now you have a new skill, which is how to secure yourself. So what are the things that you're working on right now? You mentioned that uh, you're building, first, are you still working at IBM? No, so I ended up quitting my job in September 2017 at IBM, went full-time into crypto. I've been full-time into crypto for the last two years now. And it's no regrets there? No, best thing I ever did. I, I mean, because as soon as I quit IBM and went, went into crypto, a lot more business opportunities came. I was able to go on our crypto world tour in 2018, hosting conferences. We, so we did 35 countries in 12 months, hosting events with my community, as, as large as 1,000 people in Moscow, Russia, in London, in Amsterdam, every continent pretty much except Antarctica. We were on. So to us, that, that was really a great way to build our network, meet our community, meet our audience. Ended up making even more money just from being full time into crypto because the opportunities are there and I can take advantage of them right there, right then. So you are originally from Uganda, yes. uh, and crypto is actually getting pretty huge around that area in Africa in general. How is it? How does Uganda have you actually gone back there? Yes, yeah, so I was there this year for the Africa Blockchain Conference. I was there last year as well, mm -hmm. and it's very, very pro crypto, right? Because uh, CZ of Binance went to Uganda for the last Africa blockchain conference. And that's where he met the president. And that's where they said, hey, come into Uganda. We'll welcome you with open arms. And Binance opened their first fiat gateway in Uganda. Do you see that as the reason why it's so popular in Uganda is because it gives the people power, right? The cryptocurrency gives people the power as opposed to the government, or it doesn't really have to do with that? No, not really. In Uganda, I mean, I think it's just, it does give them some economic freedom, right? But I think kind of like most other parts of the world, well, most people are using crypto to speculate, 
right? So for them, at least the people I met, they're mainly investors, right? You have investors, then you have those who are trying to use blockchain for good. Blockchain to really, uh, whether it's remittances, sending money abroad, and kind of, that's probably the, the biggest use case right now in Africa for, for blockchain. Right, because, well, being from Iran myself, like I see that and it's interesting because the Iranian government is also kind of like playing with cryptocurrency and they ban it and they, they, they say, no, it's cool. But for the people, to me, that, that is a power because it gives people the power kind of outside the government itself because it's borderless, it's permissionless. And where, when governments can be kind of oppressive, there can, it can give people the power. And that's why, to me, that's kind of... Um, interesting but what was i gonna ask my daughter just woke up started crying sorry i lost the track of my thoughts <laughs> um uh, yeah so you were saying so you're now working on projects yes, yeah so i'm taking what i was doing with the spreadsheet so at the peak of the, the cryptomania in january 2018 my spreadsheet was being accessed was, was being viewed by over 1 million unique people a month so the demand just for the spreadsheet itself was was insane. Wow. And it was just a spreadsheet, so it could not scale. So the demand was too much. I ended up taking it down because I kind of saw that where crypto was going, it cannot sustain those levels of growth. And I could see that the way ICOs were going, they were eventually going to, to crash, which is what ended up happening. So I took it down and said, okay, you know what? Let me see how I can create something that can scale to a much wider audience, to millions and millions of people. So for the last two years or so, I've been planning, researching, and for this year, building a product called Tokenmetrics, which is taking what I've been doing with the spreadsheet, but expanding it, not just for ICOs, but providing data-driven ratings on all tokens and cryptocurrencies out there, even those already trading live on exchanges. So right now, we're planning to launch that this month, right? So if anybody goes to tokenmetrics.com, we'll do a, a limited Can launch. Can you spell that? Uh, T-O-K-E-N-M-E-T-R-I-C-S. All right, let me actually brought it up over here. Tokenmetrics.com. So we're doing a limited launch to just 2,000 people. So if you sign up there, we'll send out the information. And the idea is for us to really, so we're, we're bringing in human capital and experience. So me, myself, from IBM and my background in data. Is this it? Yeah, that's it. We've also hired people from Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan to come in and help us research and due diligence on projects from technical analysis to the technology and code reviews to fundamental analysis, everything to really provide something that can help investors with due diligence in terms of asking, hey, is this project legit or not? Is this project a scam or not? So you research cryptocurrency investing, but you mentioned that you're mainly speculating. So what is the time frame that you trade? Is it mainly like day trading or do you hold as well? I mean, so I don't trade, right? So I'm more of a, I would say my time frame is probably three to anywhere from three months to a few years of okay. investment, right? So I'm kind of more of a long-term investor in a way. All right. So are you taking profit right now or are you just building up at the current prices? I cashed out some time back. <laughs> so right right now, I've just kind of been investing into building token metrics. But I think now is really a time to kind of start buying in. I've bought some Bitcoin here and there. 
But with Tokenmetrics, we're trying to bring human capital and the data, and we're taking this to the next level by bringing in machine learning. So using machine learning, deep machine learning and neural networks, without getting too technical, but basically AI to help rate cryptocurrencies based on all the data points we have and backtest it and see, okay, how, like, how accurate is this model? And can this help us make more money? Where do you get the data? I mean, so the thing is, machine learning, AI are some words that some people just throw out very lightly. These are like as a buzzword. So how do you, and I know we're getting a little bit technical, but first of all, where do you get the data? And how are you building the, like, are you, are you partnering up with data companies and AI companies, or are you building everything from scratch on your own? How deep do you get with this? Very, very deep. So both, right? So we, we do take all the, we have both qualitative and quantitative data points. So the from where? The quantitative data points is data like from CoinMarketCap, right, from other APIs. But then the qualitative data points we have is the human capital, right? Having our team of analysts, myself, uh, investors from Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan come in and actually go through and manually rate these projects and score them. On, on so you actually hire Goldman Sachs for this? You pay them? Yes, yeah. So we have actual people on our team, so the staff that goes through and looks at and manually scores every single cryptocurrency as well. Then we bring, we tie those two together with the other data points from CoinMarketCap and other APIs. Then we ingest that into the AI and have it learn. Right? So having both the human and the AI element. So, I mean, that for me is pretty interesting. I'm going to bring up one of your competitors because I like to, <laughs> to trigger things. So uh, have you heard of crypto briefing symmetry? Yes, I have. Yes. So what do you think of those? Of them? Um, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think they're using machine learning. They're not. No, but they are doing a lot of, they're mainly basing it on human capital and analyzing it. I would say for us, kind of like my spreadsheet, what we're known for, we're going to be very, very transparent and actually show people how accurate our readings are. So for example, for, for, for the last three months, we can say our Bitcoin 30 day price prediction models was 90% accurate for the last 30 days and 88% accurate for the last two months and 81% accurate for the last three months. Nice. So, so what happens is if everybody uses your points, that can be, that can shift the markets. Yes. Well, I mean, we think we've kind of solved that, right? So the spreadsheet I have was shifting markets, but with this, this is going to be right now we're doing a limited launch, right? That's why it's constrained and it's also a premium product, right? So not everybody can use it. Ah, only people with the money can come in. <laughs> have a free tier, right? So to have info on, on Bitcoin is free. But if you'd like to have info for the top 20, top 100, and even cryptocurrencies outside the top 100 market cap, yes, then this is a premium plan. So you have basically a lot of information about, we can basically, it's safe to say, almost every cryptocurrency. There are 2,000 of them. How we have the top 100 and we're that's slowly. all you go okay and so what do you see five years from now 10 years from now do you still think we're going to have 100 cryptocurrencies or do you think they're going to vanish and we're going to have a handful of like five to ten cryptocurrencies out there that are actually still survive it and uh, i think we'll have even more i think we'll have we're not getting any any fewer currencies at the moment why 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 would there be more cryptocurrencies 
because humans are very, very creative <laughs> and there is find ways to, to innovate and do other things, kind of like in regular equities markets, right? Right. But I mean, cryptocurrency, if you go, there are like five categories for blockchain, I understand, right? There's, so there's so many different use cases for blockchain. You can go from agriculture to medicine to taxes. So you can use blockchain for almost anything. But cryptocurrency is a, crypto, is a currency uh, that you can either use it to pay fast or you can use it to as a store of value like bitcoin how many more use cases for cryptocurrency can you find or do you need infinite right i mean in terms of what i think is actually useful right definitely few i think in the future kind of like now only about one percent will actually be useful but i think for the other 99 percent for the long tail they'll cater to very specific niches of things right kind of like with credit card loyalty points right there's so many credit cards companies out there, but they're always issuing new cards for anything, right? So anybody with a community may want to create their own cryptocurrency just for that community. So I think there'll always be infinite amount of cryptocurrencies focused purely on the long tail, kind of like with websites and the internet. The internet is really what has changed the entire world because it caters on the long tail. Anybody in the world, no matter how small your idea is, you can find other people around the world who also like that idea, right? Being able to connect people with a long tail and make it scale. So um, out of all these hundred top 100, uh, you mentioned Bitcoin a bunch of times, but what is your big cap favorite, most favorite, big cap cryptocurrency and your most favorite kind of venture capitalist up and coming cryptocurrency? most favorite i mean so i don't really have favorites so i just go with the data i'm kind of a, all right so what is what are your i'm trying to get the information for free out here what do your data suggest okay i mean let me see if i can actually pull it up um in terms of what we like so in particular bitcoin is king bitcoin is, is still king looking this is looking at all the data points combined right so the fundamentals the technical analysis the technology uh, the machine learning, everything combined. In terms of the best currencies out there, obviously not financial advice. We like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Dash, Binance, and Cosmos. Maybe. Oh, you like Cosmos. Oh, that has not been on my list. Why? Why Cosmos? I mean, Cosmos, the fundamentals are good. The technology is very, very, very good. Now, all, all, all these five I've mentioned are for this particular point in time, right? This is just factors in technical analysis. So these are not for a long term. You're not particularly suggesting that these are the ones that you want to hold for like 10 years. These are the stuff that are working right now. Well, they work right now, but we also think they work long-term. However, with us, we take a active portfolio management, management approach, meaning that something can be good, but you may not have to hold it forever, right? Kind of like Bitcoin, right? Let's say Bitcoin. Bitcoin is the best cryptocurrency out there, but it makes no sense to hold Bitcoin when it went down from $19,000 all the way down to $3,000. Right? Our strategy is to sell the top, wait for it to bottom back down, and then buy back in. So do you really think that your machine learning is going to help you really score the bottom and the top? Absolutely. Absolutely. Right? I mean, because this is not news, right? Last year in 2018, Bitcoin was down 70%, while quant funds, according to PwC, were up 8%. So even in a bear market, quants made money, meaning that funds, crypto funds that leveraged machine learning, stats, al algorithm trading, still need money because they're able to mitigate their risk 
right? Sure, we can be perfect with timing the top and the bottom, but the goal isn't to be perfect. The goal is to maybe be 80% right, right? So maybe you, you see Bitcoin coming down and you, from 19,000 and you get out at 16,000 and buy back in at 6,000. That still saves you money, right? So that's, that's really the goal. And eventually when the process of applying to become a SEC licensed investment advisor. So once that happens, we can really help people and give them better advice and turn this into a robo-advisor. So something like a Vanguard, like a, a Betterment, a Wealth Fund, and really do the trading and portfolio management for people ourselves on the platform. So that's something we're actively working towards becoming. So John McAfee is famous for saying that mathematically, his mathematical uh, system suggests that Bitcoin is going to 1 million uh, by the end of 2020. Does your mathematical and AI machines suggest the same thing? Uh, we've not predicted out to 2020. We only predict for a month. <laughs> <laughs> That's super long term. <laughs> Anything is possible. Anything is possible. But yeah, our model has not predicted that far yet, but maybe down the road. And uh, while I have you here, because a lot of my audience are super Cardano fans, uh, what do you think of them? Actually, and don't, feel free to trash them if you want to. We don't, we don't, it's not like I'm affiliate or anything. <laughs> Cardano is in our top 10 right now in this particular point in time in terms of cryptocurrencies. The fundamentals are all right. They could be better, but it's, it's better than most. The technology is definitely solid, we think, right? Com in terms of all the cryptocurrencies we've looked at in the top 100, Cardano has the fourth best technology score. All right, I'm glad to hear that because I'm actually a Cardano fan. Okay, uh, that was super awesome. Thank you so much, Ian, for taking the time. I know you're super busy, like launching something brand new, entrepreneurs, it's super time consuming. I appreciate your transparency. I appreciate you being here and helping the community and helping our community really learn a little bit more, just a tiny bit more, even if it was, even, even if it helped, helped 10 people, I would really, uh, that would be a success for me and I'm sure that would be a success for you as well because uh, we're here to really encourage the community to get involved and learn more and make money <laughs> at the end of the day and have better lives. So thank you so much again for joining you guys watching at home. Go to tokenmetrics.com and get subscribed so that you know when the product is launched. Uh, it sounds super exciting and I'm actually going to subscribe right now as well so I know what's up as well. Again, thank you so much, Ian. You guys watching at home. I'll see you in the next Steve on the Block.